Welcome to Sleepy Head Stories today. We love to read books, be silly, and play. Me and my mommy are here every week to read you great stories that all are unique. Join us at bedtime, or bath time, or breakfast. We promise it's better than a trip to the dentist. Welcome to Sleepyhead Stories. Shout out! Shout out time! Shout out! Shout out! Shout out! <laughs> Guys, shout out. it's shout out time, and who do we want to give a shout out to? Not our dog, Eli. We want to give our shout out to Eli, one of our listeners. And guess what? Eli is turning four on Tuesday. After he's going to be four, he's going to be the same age as me. That's right. After four comes five. But first is four, and four is an important age. And Eli, we wish you the happiest birthday with lots of fun and presents and cake. But why is four important? Four is important. I think it's a very important age because you're starting to become a big kid at four years old. Why isn't five a good? Uh, five is good. Five is five is really big one. So five is like the one of the big ones when you're a kid. But when you're four, you're almost there. You're not a toddler anymore. And you, but you're almost a big kid, so you're but right when, there. So before you're four, you're a toddler. Yeah, when you, before you're four, you're a toddler. So so Eli's not going to be a toddler anymore. So he's getting there closer and closer to being like a real big boy. That's pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. So Eli, happy birthday, and we hope you enjoy uh, the Peter Rabbit series because we're about to read another one tonight. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right, Eli. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Bye-bye. Before we start with our story, we're just going to play a few voice messages. We've gotten some new voice messages in the mail, and we are going to start a new segment here where we play them. Wait, what does that mean? Voice messages means people are sending us messages no matter where they're listening to us. They're sending in voice messages, and then I can take that message recording and put it into our episode. And they tell us all kinds of different things. Hi. You, you take it out of your phone and I put it in? I take it, and I put it in my hand, and then I put it in. <laughs> that's Yes, that's exactly how voice messages work. That's not even a real thing, Mommy. No, but, you know, that's how my mind thinks of it. It so just guys, comes up on you? Yeah, it comes up on the phone, lets me know I have a voice message, and then I can add it to the podcast or not. And this one I'm going to add. So here you go, guys. Enjoy these voice messages. Hey, guys. Um, we just wanted to tell you about where we're from, what we're doing lately. But right now, we are sitting in my bed, and I have a fever of 103, and I'm sick. And it is midnight. And we are from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We have and how we many have, kids do we have? And we have three kids, one baby, um, a three-year-old, and a six-year-old. And the six-year-old is me. So we hope 
that you enjoyed our message. Thanks, guys. So, guys, welcome back. Sleepyhead Sleepy. Sleepyhead Sleepies. Welcome back to Sleepyhead Stories, guys. We Um, are into book three in the Peter Rabbit series, The World of Peter Rabbit. And book three is called The Tailor of Gloucester. And this looks like it's going to be about a little mouse. He looks like he's a mouse on the cover, I think. But we will find out. What do you think? Did we ever read this one? I don't think we've ever read this one. Yeah, but um, you think it's about Mr. Greg- Mr. McGregor too? You think Mr. McGregor's in here? He might be in here. I'm not sure. He might not. I don't think because it's not about a rabbit. You don't think so? Well, we'll find out. After these messages, guys, these commercial breaks, we will get into the book, The Tailor of Gloucester. Just hold on. After this commercial. <laughs> what? Good job. What? Okay, guys, let's get started with the Tailor of Gloucester. And basically, a tailor is a person that makes clothing. Gloucester is the name of a town in the UK. Okay, this book is a little bit different than the other two we've read. It's a little on the long side, guys. And the words are a little different, so I'm going to do my best to explain them all to you. But um, if you get a little sleepy, that's okay. Go ahead and shut your eyes. I know Conchetta's already sleepy. (laughs) We haven't even started, right? All right. Inside, there's a little note, and it says, My dear Frida, because you are fond of fairy tales and you've been sick, I have made you a story all for yourself, a new one that nobody has read before. And the funniest thing about it is that I heard it in Gloucester and that it is true. At least the part about the tailor, the waistcoat, and the no more twist. This was written in Christmas 1901, over 100 years ago, guys. All right, here we go. The tailor of Gloucester. In the time of swords and periwigs and full skirted coats with flowered lapels, when gentlemen wore ruffles and gold-laced waistcoats of Patasaurian taffeta, there lived a tailor in Gloucester. He sat in the window of a little shop in Westgate Street, cross-legged on a table from morning till dark. All day long, while the light lasted, he sewed and he snipped pieces of satin and fabric and with other fabrics made with strange names like pompadour and lustering stuffs <laughs> and very expensive things in the days of the tailor of Gloucester. So basically he made clothing out of very fancy expensive fabric for very rich people. But although he sold fine silk for his neighbors, he himself was very poor. A little old man in glasses with a pinched face and old crooked fingers and a suit of threadbare clothes. He cut his coats without waste, according to his embroidered cloth, and there were very small ends and snippets that lay about the table. Two narrow breaths for naught except waistcoats for mice, said the tailor. 
So he made his coat so perfectly well that there was hardly any scraps left over of fabric, except little tiny, tiny pieces that maybe mice could use. One bitter day, bitter cold day, near Christmas time, the tailor began to make a coat, a coat of cherry-colored corded silk with flowers and roses and cream-colored satin trimmed with gauze and green worsted chenille for the mayor of Gloucestershire. The tailor worked and worked and talked to himself. He measured the silk and turned it round and round and trimmed it into shape with, with scissors. The table was all littered with cherry-colored snippets. No breath at all, on, and the cut on the cross, no breath at all, tippets for mice and ribbons for mobs. For mice, said the tailor of Gloucester. When the snowflakes came down against the small leaded glass window panes and shut out the light, the tailor had done his work for the day, and the silk and satin lay cut down upon the table. There were pieces of 12 pieces of the coat and four pieces for the waistcoat. There were pocket flaps and cuffs and buttons all in order. For the lining of the coat, there was fine yellow taffeta. And for the buttonholes of the waistcoat, there was cherry-colored twist. And everything was ready to sew together in the morning. All measured and ready, except there was just wanting one little bit of cherry-colored twist. So he had more sewing to do the next day, but it was time to go. Time to go home. So he laid everything out perfectly on his table there, and all he needed was a little tiny bit of red fabric left. The tailor came out of his shop at the dark, for he did not sleep there at night. He fastened the window and locked the door and took away the key. No one lived there at night but little brown mice, and they ran in and out without any keys. For behind the wooded wainscot of all the old houses in Gloucester, there are little mice, mouse staircases, and secret trap doors, and the mice run from house to house through all the long narrow passages, and they can run all over the town without going into the streets. But the tailor came out of his shop and shuffled home through the snow. He lived quite nearby in College Court, next to the doorway in College Green. And although it was not a big house, and the tailor was so poor, he only rented the kitchen. He lived alone with his cat, and it was called Simpkin. Now all day long, while the tailor was at work, Simpkin kept, kept the house by himself, and he was always fond of the mice, though he gave them no satin for coats. Meow! said the cat when the tailor opened the door. Meow. The tailor replied, Simpkin, we shall make our fortune, but I am worn to a raveling. Take this groat, which is our last fourpence, and Simpkin, take a china pipkin, buy a penny worth of bread and a penny worth of milk and a penny worth of sausages. Oh, and Simpkin, with the last penny of the four pennies, Buy me a penny's worth of cherry-colored silk, but do not lose that last penny of the four pennies, Simpkin, or I am done and worn to a thread paper, for I have no more twist. So <laughs> he's giving Simpkin the cat money to go buy some bread and milk and sausage and that last little bit of cherry-colored thread that he needs to make the coat. But he says, don't lose it. 
because I need that cherry colored thread to finish the mayor's coat. Then Simpkin again said, meow, <laughs> and took the money and the pipkin and went out into the dark. A, pip a pipkin is like a, a pitcher to hold milk. The tailor was very tired and was beginning to get sick. He sat down by the fire and talked to himself about the wonderful coat he was making. Ah, oh, I shall make my fortune to be cut bias by the mayor of Gloucester. He's to be married on Christmas Day in the morning, and he hath ordered a coat and an embroidered waistcoat to be lined with yellow taffeta and taffeta it should be, and there is no more leftover snippets that will serve to make snippets for mice. So the tailor's just talking to himself about the coat he's going to make. Then the tailor started, for suddenly interrupting him, for the over by the dresser at the other side of the kitchen came a number of little noises. Tip-tap, 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 tip-tap. Now what can that be? said the tailor of Gloucester, jumping up from his chair. The dresser was covered with crockery and pipkins, means like cups and saucers and bowls and teacups and mugs. The tailor crossed the kitchen and stood quite still beside the dresser, listening and peering through his glasses. Again, from under a teacup came those funny little noises. Tip-tap, 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 tip-tap. This is very peculiar, said the tailor of Gloucester, and he lifted up the teacup, which was upside down. Out stepped a little live lady mouse and made a curtsy to the tailor. Then she hopped away off the dresser and under the wainscoat. The wainscoat means like the wall. The tailor sat down again by the fire, warming his cold hands and mumbling to himself. The wainscoat is cut from peach-colored satin, tambour stitch and rosebuds and a beautiful floss silk. Was I wise to entrust my last four pennies to Simpkin? One and twenty buttonholes of cherry-colored twist. So basically the tailor's thinking he's seeing things when he saw the mouse she was dressed in a nice little peach dress and he's saying to himself I don't know if I don't think I just saw what I just saw but again from the dresser came more noises tip tap tip tap tip tap tip tap this is passing extraordinary meaning the tailor saying this is crazy basically is what he's saying and turned over another teacup which was upside down. Out stepped a little gentleman mouse this time, and he made a bow to the tailor. And then from all over the dresser came a chorus of little tappings, all sounding together and answering one another like little watch beetles in an old worm-eaten window shutter. Tip-tap, 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 tip-tap. And out from under teacups and under bowls and under basins stepped out more and more little mice who hopped away off the dresser and under the wainscot. The tailor sat down close over the fire, lamenting. One and twenty buttonholes of cherry-colored silk. <laughs> he's All he can think about is how much more work he has left to do on the coat. And also he's thinking that he's losing his mind because he's seeing little mice <laughs> dressed in fancy clothes. <sighs> I have to finish it by this Saturday at noon. And, this Tuesday, and it's Tuesday evening. Was it the right decision? To let loose those mice, undoubtedly, the property of Simpkin. Alack, I am undone, for I have no more twist. So he's just saying 
did I was, did I make the right idea by giving Simpkin my money? What is going on here? I'm losing my mind. I'm seeing mice everywhere. The little mice came out again and listened to the tailor. They took notice of the pattern of that wonderful coat. They whispered to one another about the taffeta lining and about the little mouse snippets. And then all at once they ran away together, down the passage behind the wainscot, squeaking and calling to one another as they ran from house to house. And not one mouse was left in the tailor's kitchen when Simpkin came back with the pipkin of milk. Simpkin opened the door and bounced in with an angry growl, like a cat that is vexed, for he hated the snow. There was snow in his ears and snow in his collar and snow down the back of his neck. He put the loaf of bread down and the sausages on the dresser, and he sniffed. Simpkin, said the tailor, where is my twist? But Simpkin set down the pipkin of milk upon the dresser and looked suspiciously at the teacups. He wanted his supper of those fat little mice. Simpkin, said the tailor, where is my twist? So Simpkin came home with the food and the milk, but the tailor's what he really wanted was the fabric to make his coat. He's asking Simpkin, where is it? But Simpkin had a little parcel privately in the teapot and spit and growled at the tailor. And if Simpkin had been able to talk, he would have asked, where is my mice? So Simpkin was keeping the mice trapped in the teapots and the teacups and things on the dresser. And then when the tailor heard them scratching and he picked them up, he set the mice free. So Simpkin is mad because the tailor set the mice free. Oh, alack, I am undone, said the tailor of Gloucester and went sadly to bed. All that night long, Simpkin hunted and searched through the kitchen, peeping into cupboards and under the wainscot and in the teapot where he had hidden the twist. But he still never found a mouse. So Simpkin hid the little fabric that he that the twist that he bought for the tailor, he hid it from the tailor because he was mad because the tailor let the mice loose. Simpkin was being naughty. Whenever the tailor muttered and talked in his sleep, Simpkin said, Breow! and made strange, horrid noises as cats do at night. Simpkin was mad. For the poor old tailor was sick with a fever, tossing and turning in his four-post bed, and still in his dreams he mumbled, no more twist, no more twist. All that day he was sick, and the next day, and the next day. And what should become of the cherry-colored coat? In the tailor's shop at Westgate Street, that embroidered silk and satin lay cut upon the table, one and twenty buttonholes, and who should come and sew them? When the window was barred and the door was locked... But that does not hinder the little brown mice. They run in and out without any keys through all the old houses in Gloucester. So the tailor's sick. He cannot come out. He cannot finish that coat. He has all the pieces left out ready to go to be finished. But he got too sick. He's stuck home in bed. Out of doors, the market folks went trudging through the snow to buy their geese and turkeys and to bake their Christmas pies. But there would be no Christmas dinner for Simpkin and the poor old tailor of Gloucester. The tailor was sick for three days and nights, and then it was Christmas Eve, and it was very late at night. The moon climbed up over the roofs and chimneys and looked down over the gateway into College Court. There were no lights in the windows, nor any sound in the houses. All of the city of Gloucester was fast asleep. It was Christmas Eve. And still, Simpkin wanted his mice and he mewed as he stood beside the four-post bed.
All Simpkin can think about is those mice that got loose. But in the old story... Oh, sorry, I'm sorry. But it is in the old story that all the beasts can talk in the night between Christmas Eve and Christmas Day in the morning, though there are very few folk that can hear them or know what they're saying. When the cathedral clock struck twelve, there was an answer, like an echo of chimes, and Simpkin heard it, and he came out of the tailor's door and wandered into the snow. From all the roofs and gables and old wooden houses in Gloucester came a thousand merry voices singing the old Christmas rhymes, all the old songs that I've ever heard, and some that I don't even know, like Whittington's Bells. So there's an old fairy tale that from the time between Christmas Eve at midnight and Christmas Day morning, animals can talk like humans, though many humans don't hear them because everybody's asleep at that time. First and loudest, the cocks cried out, Dame, get up and bake your pies. Oh, dilly, 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 sighed Simpkin. And now, in a garret, there were lights and sounds of dancing and cats from all over the way. Hey, diddle, diddle, the cat and the fiddle. All the cats in Gloucester except me, said Simpkin. Under the wooden eaves, the starlings and sparrows sang of Christmas pies. The jackdaws woke up in the cathedral tower. And although it was the, la the middle of the night, the throstles and robins sang. The air was quite full of little twittering tunes. So all the animals are up in the middle of the night talking. Simpkin's wandering the streets, basically looking for his mice. It was all rather provoking to poor hungry Simpkin. Particularly, he was vexed with some little shrill voices from beyond a wooden lattice. I think they were bats, because they're always very small voices, especially in the black frost, and they talk in their sleep like the tailor of Gloucester. Simpkin went away, shaking his ears as if he had a bee in his bonnet. So Simpkin's hearing all the voices of different animals, and he's walking past bats, and he doesn't like the sound of their voices. From the tailor's shop in Westgate came a glow of light. And when Simpkin crept up to peep in the, at the window, it was full of candles. There was snippeting of scissors and snapping of threads, and little mice voices sang loudly and gaily. Then, without pause, the little mouses went on singing, Sieve my lady's oatmeal, grind my lady's flour, put it in a chestnut, let it stand an hour. Meow, meow, interrupted Simpkin as he scratched at the door. So Simpkin went back to the tailor's shop and he found his mice and they were all inside sewing and singing and he was trying to get in but the door was locked and he's too big to fit under the door. But the key was under the tailor's pillow and he could not get in. The little mice only laughed and tried another tune. Mew, mew, cried Simpkin. Hey, diddle dinky kitty, answered the little mice. Hey, diddle dinky kitty, potty pet pet. The merchants of London, they wear scarlet, silk in the collar and gold in the hem. So merrily march the merchant men. So the, mouse, the mice, I'm sorry, are singing songs and they're making fun of Simpkin because they see him outside and they know he wants to get in. 
and they're teasing him as they're sewing. They click their thimbles to mark the time, but none of the songs please Simpkin. He sniffed and he mewed at the door of the shop. Mew, scratch, 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 scuffled Simpkin on the window sill, while the little mice inside sprang to their feet and all began to shout all at once in twittering voices, No more twist, no more twist, and they barred up the window shutters and shut out Simpkin. But still through the nicks in the shutters, he could hear the click of the scissors and thimbles. No more twist, no more twist, said the voices. Simpkin came away from the shop and went home, considering in his mind he found the poor old tailor without fever and sleeping peacefully. Then Simpkin went up on tippy toes and looked at the parcel of silk that he had hidden in the teapot. And he looked at the moonlight and he felt quite ashamed of his badness compared with the goodness of the mice. So what Simpkin goes home and the tailor is feeling better, but he's sleeping still. And Simpkin feels bad that he hid the silk on the tailor because he saw the mice being so good and helping the tailor finish this coat. When the tailor awoke in the morning, the first thing what he saw upon his quilt was the skein of cherry-colored twist, and beside his bed stood the repentant Simpkin. <sighs> Alack, I am worn to a raveling, said the tailor of Gloucester, but I have my twist. The sun was shining in the snow on the snow when the tailor got up and dressed and came to the shop. Simpkin was running behind him. The starlings whistled on the chimney sacks, and the throstles and robins sang, but they sang their own little noises, not the words they had sung the night before. Alack, said the tailor, I have my twist, but no more strength nor time to make the coat. It's Christmas Day in the morning, and the, the mayor is to be married at noon. So he's saying, he doesn't know the mice finished the coat for him. And he's saying, how am I going to do this? I'm exhausted, I'm, and, and I don't have enough time to finish the coat. The mayor's going to be married soon. He unlocked the door of his little shop in Westgate, and Simpkin ran in like a cat that expects something. But there was no one there, not even one little brown mouse. The boards were swept clean, and the little ends of thread and little silk snippets were all tidied away and gone from the floor. But upon the table, oh joy, the tailor gave a shout. There, where he had left the plain cuttings of silk, there lay the most beautifulest coat and the most beautiful embroidered satin waistcoat that was ever worn by a mayor of Gloucester. There were roses and pansies upon the facing of the coat, and the waistcoat was worked with poppies and cornflowers. Everything was finished except one single cherry-colored buttonhole, and where that buttonhole was, there was a small pinned scrap of paper with these words in teeny-tiny writing. No more twist, it said. <laughs> And from the begin and from then he began the luck of began the luck of the tailor of Gloucester. He grew quite stout and he grew quite quite rich. He made the most wonderful waistcoats from all the rich merchants of Gloucester and for all the fine gentlemen of the country round. Never were seen such ruffles or such embroidered cuffs and lapels, but his buttonholes were the greatest triumph of it all. The stitches of those buttonholes were so, so neat. I wonder how they could be stitched by an old man in spectacles. 
With crooked old fingers and a tailor's thimble, the stitches of those buttonholes were so small, so, so small, they looked as if they had been made by little mice. The end. So, guys, that was a long one, I know. Conchetta is already almost asleep. <laughs> um, I hope you enjoyed. That was the tale of Gloucester. All about these little mice that help the tailor finish his important coat. And the naughty cat, Simpkin, that tried to catch the mice and also hid that fabric from the tailor. Anyways, we will be back next week with book number four. And we hope you're enjoying this series of The World of Peter Rabbit. Right, Toots? Oh, yeah. She's about asleep. Good night, guys. Hi guys, Corey here from Sleepyhead Stories and I have some exciting news to share with you all. We now have our very own website, sleepyheadstoriespodcast.com. Hop on there with your parents to see things like pictures, listen to old episodes, purchase cool merchandise, or you can even reach out to us. And speaking of reaching out, we are now going to be giving shout outs to all our favorite listeners. Send us a message either on our website or an email to sleepyheadstories at gmail.com or a direct message on our Instagram or Facebook page and we'll give you a shout out in the next episode. If you have a birthday coming up, let us know and we'll for sure wish you a happy birthday on the podcast. Also guys, if you feel to do so, please leave us a review on Apple iTunes. You can either leave us a starred review, or if you feel like it, you can write a full review out and let everybody know how much you enjoy Sleepyhead Stories. We would truly appreciate it. Guys, thank you so much. We love what we do. We love reading books, and we love sharing them with you all. Have a great day or a great night, and we'll talk to you in the next episode.